0: to the Album Nerds Podcast with your
1: hosts, Andy, Todd, and Tood. Hi there, it's the Album Nerds Podcast. I'm dude, I got Andy and Don with me, feeling uh, something, feeling something today, I don't know what it is. Something something special's in the air. (laughs) Spring? uh, Yeah, I guess that's it. It Smells like worms outside.
2: Mm, That's special.
1: Yeah. (laughs) How you guys doing?
2: Doing great, man, doing great, and you know. Working on my my sodburns, trying to fill up my mustache a little bit. Wow. I don't know if I was really a hairy enough man to have lived in the 70s. Like, thankfully, I'm in the right decade, I think.
1: I'm only hairy enough on my face.
2: <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> and, and Don, how are you doing,
0: uh, my am, friend? I am well. I've got my <laughs> the, the audience can't see my butterfly collar.
2: <laughs> oh, we all know it's there.
0: You could not pull that yeah. off. <laughs> Although it might make my
1: head look smaller. at best you would look like a dad from a 70s sitcom (laughs) or from that 70s show. maybe got a great show for you today we're gonna talk about three albums answer a question and then figure out what we're doing next time on the show but this week we're talking about albums that hit the top 40 in 1974
0: That's what I'm talking about! In 1974, Stephen King released his first novel, Carrie. Jazz composer Duke Ellington died. West Germany hosted and won the World Cup. We had the first commercially successful pocket calculator, the the (laughs) HP-35. Wow. Mm. Uh, Muhammad Ali regained the heavyweight title after defeating George Foreman in the fight billed as the Rumble in the Jungle. Uh, Mm -hmm. The first universal product code, a UPC barcode, was scanned at a supermarket in Troy, Ohio on a pack of juicy fruit gum. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 25 cents. Some deep nuggets um, here, man. Y- yeah, the Sears Tower in Chicago became the world's tallest building. Uh, guess what number it is now? I don't know. 26th.
1: I thought it was number 1 still. And it's the Willis Tower. What are you talking about?
0: Bruce Willis?
1: Isn't Nakatomi Plaza what
0: Willis Tower is really known for? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the party, pal! Uh, And the biggest films of uh, 1974 were The Godfather 2, Chinatown, and Blazing Saddles. Today, each of us will present an album that made Billboard's Top 40 in 1974. Interesting year. A lot to choose from.
1: Even Top 40 stuff. I think that's what's kind of fun about having Top 40 albums is we can't just grab any random thing from that year, but we have to pick something that people at least liked in that period. And I think that, that tells us something about the time. Uh, I listened to a bunch of stuff. I was probably closest to something like uh, Bad Company's debut album. Mm-hmm. There's a ZZ Top record, uh, but it was all kind of in that same machismo y early 70s, wor- you know, working on your car, listening <laughs> to rock kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I went somewhere in the middle. Uh, how'd you guys do?
2: Yeah, it's funny, man. I like probably, maybe for the first time in a while, I listened to those two records as well. Almost picked the ZZ Top record. I discovered a. A group called Golden Earring that had similar Mm. style music like you were just referencing there. Kind of like guitar, 70s rock. Yeah,
1: Radar Love, right? Was their biggest. Yeah, Radar Love.
2: Yeah. Really pretty good record. I almost picked that one. Um, It was like a Spanish singer-songwriter record by Maria Moldar, I believe is how you say her name. Uh, That was quite good as well. And then Glass Night and the Pimps. Gosh, I knew I was going to say that. Glass (laughs) Night. I've told myself so many times it's not pimps. Last night I'm the pips.
1: <laughs> that is a impossible
0: thing not to screw up at least once in your life. Yeah. If you- right. Talk about that yeah. band
2: They yeah, had a bunch of Good records in this Period in the 70s uh, As well
0: Yeah I was actually All set and excited To do uh, Genesis's the, the Lamb Lies Down On Broadway But turns out That didn't actually uh, Reach the top 40 uh, Until 1975 So that was mm-hmm. uh, That was disqualified I almost did that Linda Ronstadt record uh, Again uh, Heart Like a Wheel But I, I passed on it One of these times Yeah I'll get to it We did do that Trio record last year So so she's And mm-hmm. re- represented why don't we uh, stop talking about it and start listening?
2: You choo choo choose me? Mr. You're Mr. an Mr. idiot. Mr. Well, I'll tell you what kiss my. Take your teeth out. Take your teeth
1: out. What's up with Frank Zappa getting into fights on TV and then someone's telling him to take his teeth out? Does
2: he have false teeth?
1: I did not not know that. I guess before you get in a scrap, you got to take your teeth out.
2: (laughs) For safety? I don't know. I guess it makes sense. I guess. (laughs) It's like take your glasses off, take your teeth out. Anyway. For my selection from 1974, we're going to go with Frank Zappa and his album Apostrophe, which came out back in March of 1974. We are going to play the lead oh, single. This is a little bit of Cosmic I Debris. I to do it right. newspaper around my head I, like I was deep. I This is the fifth studio album win. for the band leader slash composer slash guitarist from Baltimore, Maryland. This band changes up a lot over the course of this period uh, in the 70s here, um, but does have some of the mainstays, uh, George Duke and Ruth Underwood in particular, are featured pretty heavily on this record. And uh, I mean, the other noble thing I would say, particular on this record, is there's a loose story through the first four tracks. Very loose, in <laughs> zap a Zappa sort of way. But it's kind of unique that he he does something like that. Uh, my three words for this album are a hot stack of Zappa Cakes. Nothing better. <laughs> Get some maple syrup on those Zappa Cakes. Mm-mm, delicious.
1: <clears throat> I prefer pancake syrup. You know, like Mrs. Butterworth's and stuff. Like I, I, actual maple syrup. No? Tastes too earthy. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I, like, I like the real thing.
0: <laughs> Ain't nothing like the real thing. That's right, baby. <laughs> Just like Frank.
2: Oh, yeah. So, I mean... I think this is a pretty great collection of Zappa-isms, sort of what, what he does well, which is kind of comedy and sort of off-kilter inventive songwriting and some, some killer guitar solos. Why don't we play a little bit of Nanook Rubs It In? <laughs>
0: That's kind of a, a, a psychedelic moment, uh, in that, like, initial suite of songs that are about, like, his, uh, like Inuit fantasy or something, you know, <laughs> uh, N- Nanook. It's all part of my Inuit fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the album kind of has some, like, psychedelic appeal, but I, I've heard that Frank Zappa was very much, like, anti-drugs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, How? I I know that that's true. I know he didn't drink. I know he he smoked a lot of cigarettes. But what a weirdo! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how are you, how are you
0: not? How this are is naturally come out of your head? Yeah.
1: Mind altering thing not
0: <laughs> involved, or at least. You have to have that audience in mind. I yeah, don't think so. But. Totally. Although it's a different kind of weird, you know, because you have, like, the whimsical, goofy, like, Sid Barrett stuff, you know, that's, you know, singing about, like, a lot of nonsense. But it's, like, a different kind of – I don't know. This is, like, a sober goofiness or something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think a lot of it is like pretty biting like satire or, you know, he's really trying to make a deeper point. So it's not just like goofiness for the sake of goofiness, I don't think a lot of times, though, maybe sometimes hard to yeah. say with him.
0: <laughs> so the, the three words uh, I chose to de- de- describe the album, uh, and I, I don't think it's three words. Godfather of nerd rock. I know nerd rock kind of meant something else. Like I think of like they might be giants and like some of that uh, all stuff that came out in like the 90s. But I, I do feel like this is sort of, you know, rock and roll for, for nerds. I feel like the same kids that are that are playing, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons in the nineteen seventies, and watching Monty Python are probably, you know, listening to to Frank Zappa. You know, just I guess just because of the you know the the strangeness of the lyrics. But as far as the rock and roll goes, it, it's good stuff. You know, it, it's uh, you know great musicianship. It's interesting. You know, melodically, it goes in a lot of places. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a really fun sonic experience, you know, whether you're, you're paying attention to the, to the lyrics or, or not. In some ways, the, the lyrics are even kind of a distraction from, I I think, how good the, the music is. Well, particularly on that suite of songs you're talking about,
1: what's Nanook rubs it for our audience, you know, like,
0: describe what is happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, this general story, I think it's a dream.
0: Yeah, I think it starts out. I, I had a dream that I was uh, Eskimo and
2: yeah, whatever.
0: Right, I know,
1: but there's yellow snow that dogs pee yes. on. You take the yellow snow, you rub it in someone's eye, and then someone puts a doo doo eye- cone yeah, on your face, like snow cone, yeah. yeah. I was just like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah. I, the music is really cool, and I get I get that it's it's funny, kind of. It's not really like jokes, though. It's just like goofiness, you know. I mean. I imagine, I'm sitting there imagining crowds of people singing along. <laughs> and I'm like, okay.
2: And he somehow transitions that seamlessly to a church pancake breakfast. Yes, he uh, Which has its own horrors associated with it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that it's just pure nonsense. And that's not a deeper allusion to something else. Just knowing Zappa and how much of a kind of like deep thinker he was. I, I can't believe that song is about snow and huskies
1: but I'm sure you're right. I think only he knows. It's quite
2: possible. (laughs) When I play another cut from the record, this is um, that song about, about that delicious pancake breakfast uh, at St. Alfonso's. At St. Alfonso's pancake breakfast. Where I stole the margarine.
1: I really love the use of different instruments and sounds and, marimbas and synths and all sorts of kooky stuff in this sort of jazz freakout that's happening in a lot of his songs. It's it's uh, interesting stuff. I mean, regardless of what you think about the lyrics or what they may or may not mean. But yeah, that's part of that story too, where the like in his dream, he runs away and ends up at this St. Alfonso's church and they're having a pancake breakfast. The lyrics have pretty vivid imagery and phrases that i've heard people say like where i stole the margarine and she abused the sausage patty you know (laughs) like it's just (laughs) so (laughs) and then the fluffy brown pancakes and but i've been to what some churches call pancake feeds so i was able to picture this Mm -hmm. to a certain degree because when you think about it those events are pretty bizarre yeah so i think he was really tapping into that uh (laughs) the three words i used to describe this album are the kitchen sink because he throws everything in Every genre you can think of, there's elements of it. I used to think it was supposed to be comedy because, you know, I know Dr. Demento and things like that. And I kind of tied it with, with like Weird Al Yankovic or something, but it isn't. I think it's just a pure form of expression. It just happens to be performed by a guy that's willing to be absurd in his lyrics and not take them too seriously and really pushing the thoughts. What I was catching through a lot of these songs are just generally the absurdity of life in our society, and he's pointing that out using goofy words.
0: Yeah, one thing I I guess I admire about Frank Zappa, um, I mean, he's obviously a talent, and I think if he wanted to be golden earring or, or something, you know, he could have done that. You know, he could have easily sang about love, but instead he, you know, chose to sing about smelly feet, you know, because that's <laughs> who he is, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: well, another interesting thing here, Andy, you in particular, after last week talking about Tool, you've you've picked another artist that has a rabid fan base is kind of judgy of those that don't get it <laughs> I've run into those folks over the years working in record stores and stuff and it's like an assault like if you don't if you don't if you're not down with Zappa you're mentally deficient in <laughs> the eyes of of the fans
2: I don't feel t- I mean I, I, I would never push Zappa on someone because I do think it's not it's not usual music <laughs> It's not really for everybody, I don't think. But there's moments on this record where I think you can really hear like just how fantastic of a guitarist he was. For sure, yeah. yes. In particular, the title track, Apostrophe, which is just an instrumental jam about six minutes. He plays out some awesome guitar solos on that track, and I'm always a little floored whenever I hear him.
1: That may have been my favorite song on the album, uh, but it was hard to find a clip that did it any
2: justice because it's really the whole piece that you need to hear. Yeah, it builds up nicely. Well, yeah, we've mentioned Zappa a few times on the show here. I think this is among some of his more higher quality albums. Um, so if you haven't heard Apostrophe, definitely worth a listen. If you're in the mood for some bizarre, bizarre rock from the '70s, check it out. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few
0: questions.
1: Here we are once again at a crossroads. It's time to ask ourselves a question. Now, Don mentioned Dungeons and Dragons when we were talking about. Frank Zappa, what nerdy things are you or were you into, if you assume that Dungeons and Dragons is a nerdy thing?
0: For the record, lots of my friends played Dungeons and Dragons, so no judgment. <laughs> no judgment. We we're self,
2: self-proclaimed album nerds, right? Yeah, this is the Album Nerds podcast, yeah. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, so I would be curious to try it out sometime.
0: Let's do it on the show. Oh, God, that would be <laughs> not entertaining. <laughs> there there are
1: podcasts of yeah. people playing Dungeons and Dragons. Jeez. Uh, I I played it recently, like during the height of the pandemic, me and and my team at work. um, A guy apparently was a dungeon master, so we got his help and we played a short story of it
2: it was interesting i wasn't very good at it hmm. sounds like you really <laughs> have to exactly. be like creative and like engaged and
1: oh, yeah uh, the the guys having the most fun were the ones doing voices <laughs> and stuff and i right. was just like i tried to st- i stabbed the monster
0: <laughs>
1: like do you have any additional stuff <laughs> no nah, i just stab him you know, it just was a very <laughs>
0: Nice. Actually, uh, during the pandemic, I played the baseball version of Dungeons and Dragons, which is Stratomatic Baseball. Now that's nerdy. <laughs>
2: you thought yeah. that Dungeons and Dragons was nerdy. <laughs> 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 uh, I don't know if I'd really argue too much. I played chess, which I guess is kind of nerdy. I think that's maybe become less nerdy. I feel like honestly, the things that I used to think were nerdy growing up are now almost like popular mm-hmm. in our culture. Like video games used to be kind of a nerdy thing to do. Computers yep. was like a really nerdy thing in the 90s. And now it's like everybody's on a fucking computer. So I don't know. I guess I'm just a normal guy now. <laughs> I used to be a nerd. Yeah. I
1: think what's nerdy is like playing football. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Getting jock. yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm an athlete. Oh, nerd. Well, I got two things that I think would still be considered nerdy. I, I can juggle uh, and I can do like a yo-yo. like oh. Yo-yo tricks. Mm. So I think yeah. if I did magic... That would be like the the trilogy or the <laughs> yes. the, tr- the yeah. trinity the nerd trinity.
1: <laughs> I do up close magic. What? Uh, no, I don't do No. <laughs> I- <laughs> yeah, I mean I albums I guess you know like my physical collection of CDs that I've had since I was in my teens and 20s and scanning them into discogs and Mm. keeping them alphabetical order and you know I I guess that's my attention to that part is nerdy like I'm doing a project now where I'm putting fresh sleeves on my records and going through all of them and and changing out the inner sleeves (laughs) if they're wrinkly or whatever
0: so nerds
1: So what about y'all? What nerdy things are you or were you into? Try and trump us. I'm sure you can. Albumnerds.com Discord.
0: I don't want to get too personal, but do you listen <laughs> to Barry White records when you're making love? No, I don't need music when I'm making love. <laughs> 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 okay, so my, uh, my pick for a hit album from 1974 was Barry White's can't get enough uh released in august of, of that year uh let's hear uh, a, a clip one, one of uh, two big hit songs uh from that record this is you're the first the last my everything my life. My life. So this is the, uh, the third studio album by Barry White, born Barry Eugene Carter in Galveston, Texas in 1944. So, you know, before Barry White actually had this huge uh, solo career, he was already uh, an established songwriter and producer. Uh, and before that, an A&R man in the, in the record business. He had, uh, had, um, some success with a, a girl group called Love Unlimited, uh, which were kind of like, more of like a dancey Supremes or like a 70s dance, uh, Supremes. Uh, and he also, he had a hit with what he called the Love Unlimited Orchestra, uh, which was like this 40-piece dance orchestra. Famously, uh, I think it's called Love's Theme, which you guys would, would recognize, um, if you heard it. So, uh, the three words uh, I chose to describe the album again, not three words uh, deeper than the voice. So, if you don't know anything about Barry White, uh, and I know I was like this for a long time, I, I just kind of thought of him as this guy with a deep voice that is kind of, you know, s- seductive. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I just figured someone was like, oh, this dude's got a cool voice. Yeah. Go say stuff that's sexy. I didn't really yeah. think about it, the composition and his involvement in.
0: Actually shaping the entire thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this guy is this guy is a a composer. (laughs) Nice. So you know, I've heard Barry White songs before, but I've never really had a chance to to listen to an album. You know, he's embraced the album format. You know, it begins with little short instrumental and then he does like a reprise of it uh, at the end you've got a 10 minute epic uh slow jam in the middle you've got two hit songs yeah it's just a you know it's a it's an excellent composition uh well let's uh let's hear more of it uh here's the other big hit from the from the record uh this is can't get enough of your love babe
2: i feel
1: Something moves, <laughs> like it could be taken in a lot of ways, but it works. It works for every possible situation uh, in that particular moment. There, <laughs> yeah. So um, that song was written and recorded and produced by Barry White, of course. Uh, topped the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and R&B charts. It is one of his signature tunes. The three words I'm using to describe this album are, and this is, I'll have to explain it funk in the sheets. <laughs> so, in this time period, funk and soul were kind of blending in like Isaac Hayes and other artists like that, where it was, it, it was this sort of uh, soulful funk blend, but it was all about the streets. So, funk of the streets. So, that started me thinking about the funk of the sheets because yeah. he takes those elements not the smells <laughs> that's that's, what you said. <laughs> but he took that funk soul vibe added those big strings and orchestration and it's got that funky feel to it but it's not funk music even though there's definitely a lot of tones of it mm-hmm. within i hate
2: to say this but uh isn't that what you're describing uh disco funk with strings
1: almost i think that yeah. this was definitely one of the gateways to that world it's disco e but it's not disco that hadn't quite fully developed yet but it's a short album but it goes it goes too fast it's one of those where i wish there was a little bit more which is rare love the voice love the compositions it, it, there is no more appropriate music to uh, spend special time with your special person. It, no matter what your taste is,
0: it'll it'll get you there. <laughs> I think sometimes it gets a bad rap as maybe being sort of like misogynistic or, or something. But really, I mean, the the lyrics are just kind of like love songs. You know, I mean, he's not like talking about, you know, I'm going to you
2: know no, whatever right to you right. it's right. it's
0: about how you know you're a queen and so it's all it's very personal and somewhat vulnerable i mm-hmm. guess but it's the voice and it's the music i think that really gives it that sexual quality i think mm-hmm. perhaps the
1: view is that it's music that could be weaponized mm. to
0: try to I see. get something <laughs> someone doesn't want you know i don't know it's
2: so like inherently yeah. sexy you just can't control yourself right around it. yes
0: exactly um, I was not aware of this weapon back in, uh, <laughs> in high school college uh, yeah you were like hey
1: hey listen to this new Duran Duran song
2: like, oh. <laughs> not quite the same effect uh, the yeah. reflex get it <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's
0: good okay well let's uh, let's hear another one this is uh, I love you more than anything in this world girl <laughs> <laughs> you've got to work on that delivery dude. <laughs>
1: Wow, oh, making me blush, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, the guy—the guy—is the master of the spoken word mic break, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, he is. Who, yes, who lays it down quite, quite as smooth as that. I mean,
1: yeah. Well, any 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 song that has that, like, hey baby, yeah. I'm so sorry that I hurt you, like that wouldn't exist without him. He invented that.
2: Yeah, in that spirit, my three words are, you know, baby, I've been thinking about this record <laughs> for a mighty long time, and now that it's finally here, <laughs> I just can't get enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a lot of three words there. Uh, you know, you smooth talker, but see, <laughs> you got away with it because of your yeah, delivery. Yeah, it's
2: all about the delivery. Yeah, I mean, I really, I really enjoyed this overall. I thought like the quality was pretty consistent. I wasn't, I, mean, I knew the hits, the two, the two singles. I was in for those for sure. But I thought the rest of the record really held its own nicely and, and filled out the nice vibe and i was impressed by that 10 and a half minute uh slow jam there i was a little concerned about the time of that but it kind of flew right by as the as the dude alluded to yeah he has a unique unique instrument there and, and he uses it very well on this record i didn't mind the disco stuff like it does feel kind of disco way to me but i didn't really i liked it so yeah as the first barry white record i've listened to start to finish but i really enjoyed it
0: great yeah i am now a barry white uh, fan Likewise. So that was Can't Get Enough by Barry White. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. If you're enjoying the show, and we hope you are, do us a solid and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Maybe we made you laugh, or you discovered an album you enjoy. Leaving a review keeps the show going and helps other music fans find us. Yellow Brick Road. Follow the Yellow Brick Road. All right, we're not going
1: to follow, follow it. We're going to say goodbye to the Yellow Brick Road. I picked probably the biggest hit album of 1974, Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. It's his seventh studio album. It was released in in, uh, December of 1973, debuted uh, in the top 40, but then uh, went number one, held number one for eight weeks, and was the biggest selling album of 1974. So why don't we uh, jump into the title track, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. You can't me, you can't All right, so we're talking about a double album of, uh, what was it, 76 minutes?
2: Like At least. In,
1: so roughly the length of a really long CD, like maybe a pretentious Tool album that I had to listen to a <laughs> bunch of times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, produced by Gus Dudgeon Dudgeon Um Dudgeon
0: and Dragon sorry <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> Gus dudgeons and dragons <laughs> It all ties together folks.
1: So he had had hits like Crocodile Rock and, and, and things of that nature already. And I think this was the moment where he had, they had the resources to make a really great record. They had the time. They had the built in audience, you know, so you can stretch a little bit. And, and this is often considered his best, his best record. The three words I use to describe this album. Hello, Elton John. This feels like, like I was kind of alluding to, uh, Uh, Introduction to the world of, of what him and his co-writing, uh, partner were capable of. Uh, Bernie would write the lyrics, like poetry, and hand it to Elton, and then Elton composes around it, sometimes in like 20 or 30 minutes. You know, like, they were at their creative height. The, the touring band that they had been working with was tight. And they were able to the guitar riffs and all that stuff the backing vocals all just are perfect on the majority of these songs now they're not all slam dunks there's a couple clunkers um, but there's some big hits of course goodbye yellow brick road now according to everything i read and saw on some documentaries and and like the classic albums show that they have Bernie Taupin was saying that it was largely about celebrity and wishing that you were back on the farm you came from. Like, how do you straddle that world where you're successful and famous, but you're also still living in the real world and that struggle between those two those two places uh i think it could be made for any struggle that a human is is dealing with where how do you live two lives
0: or or do you live one and and find a way to make peace with them so yeah that's one of those songs i've i mean i've you know known it forever it's such a big song you know in in our culture but you know this week i actually you know really focusing uh on this album i mean god what a what a great song it's just a like a, a a masterpiece i don't know if maybe i just never personally connected with the song before but you know this time i finally got it and you know there were moments where i had like kind of goosebumps listening to the, to that song
2: yeah i think something about like the the way it's composed and the, the way the the swell it comes in these big waves and it kind of washes over you it's it's pretty awesome it seems like celebrity or or dealing with fame or success is the big theme of this this record i assume that's kind of like with the oz metaphors is about
1: yeah. I mean, the song is much. I've heard it a million times, of course, but listening to it in this context, it like Don was saying, it is more special and beautiful than I really had given it credit for. When you're, when you just are paying close attention to it, it uh, it's pretty impressive. So why don't we jump to my personal favorite Elton John song of all time? Happens to be on this record. Saturday nights all right for fighting.
2: Yeah, definitely the most straight-ahead, raucous rock song on the record. It goes pretty hard, though. It's
1: about as rock as he ever gets. Yeah,
2: I think it works pretty well. It's nicely paced in the song, kind of holds up the end of the record, I think. My three words to describe this record are the bedazzled wizard sets out. It feels it feels like he really is kind of coming into his own here in terms of all the grandiosity and all the splendor and sparkle and all that jazz that he would become known for. And so it's just the record itself is just kind of a, a mishmash of lots of ideas. It just feels like an explosion of creativity, which we you know we talked about a lot. Could there you know benefit for some some editing? I think perhaps seventeen songs.
1: Yeah. Dirty little girl could go,
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know. Yeah, there's a couple that are similar to each other, I guess, listening to it. But, you know, I've only listened to it for a week, and I'm not sure I have a really great sense of every song. But, you know, the lyrics, I think, really are what impressed me, and just how, I mean, they're poetic, but they're simple, but they're very, they they seem to hit you in the gut every time you hear them. Very impactful lyrics. It's cool.
1: Bernie Taubin had a, he had a talent for putting pictures in your head. It's not necessarily full stories, but he's great at describing things where you instantly see the Polaroid come to life in your brain. Totally. It's a very
2: cinematic album in general, I would say. It feels like you're almost watching it at times.
1: All right, well, why don't we jump to another song, Gray Seal?
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that kind of. Thought. That long instrumental sort of jam or freak out uh, at the end of that song, uh, but actually, I mean, the song itself is 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 very uh, very catchy. I don't know exactly what it's about, and like, I don't know if the gray seal is like an uh, an animal, like the mammal, or if it's about like a like a seal of approval or, or something. Uh, you know, the meaning's kind of uh, ambiguous. So the, the three words I chose to describe the album, uh, and it's not meant as, uh, as an insult, but, uh, I said less cool Bowie. And I guess I never really saw the parallels between the two artists before, but, uh, you know, other than them both being English, but they both kind of live in sort of that, that glam realm. And they're both, you know, excellent songwriters. The sexuality is ambiguous, uh, at times. Uh, so there are like a lot of parallels, but there's something just, uh, I don't know. Maybe there's, like, more of a cool factor or, a, like, a magnetism with with Bowie that, you know, that Elton John doesn't quite have. And maybe that's just superficial because, you know, Bowie's, like, just this interesting-looking sort of, like, beautiful man. Uh Whereas Elton John's just this this bald guy you know <laughs> no he's not not anymore
1: he, he got it back, oh, that's right. Came back. <laughs> well you got the dough you can get them plugs um so like Benny and the Jets for instance about a female glam rocker and her band inspired by David Bowie and glam rock in general so and that song has those elements to it and I think that's the difference is David Bowie yes he experimented in pop music and whatever but at is he was an art rocker yeah. at his heart and Elton John is a pop rock artist and and grabs every little uh, bit of different sounds that are pop music like uh Jamaica jerk off you know with it, it, it's got reggae vibes but it's not a reggae song right. you know he, yeah. he he took sounds um popular sounds so it, more of a pop artist and I think the biggest difference uh the recording of this album they started in Jamaica and it, it went to hell it was uh, horrible. The studio was ill-equipped for them, and they ended up recording in France, so I think um, a lot of the songs were written there and then recorded in France, but uh, I think that gave them the time to revisit and record and uh, make some pretty special songs like Candle in the Wind, super well-known, of course. Bernie Toppin says that he's not really that into Marilyn Monroe. It was more about celebrity and the media and how people are treated when they're famous than her specifically. He says he doesn't remember writing it, but he did a pretty good job of <laughs> seeming like he's a big fan yeah.
0: <laughs> uh you know again i'm I'm glad to have the, to have the opportunity to to spend time with this this record i you know I've enjoyed Elton John's hits, but I've never really been drawn to him for for some reason right um i mean maybe it's just i mean there is like a cheese factor um with a lot of seventies stuff though it's not unique to, to Elton John, but there is you know at times like a a barrier there there's just not a lot of subtlety going on
2: <laughs> yeah but
0: you know after after spending time with with the record i i really did get it in the end and it's not just that i mean there's like you know four big hit songs on this uh, on this album but I mean the whole thing is is really good. Yeah, it might be a a, a bit long, but there's you know there's just good songwriting uh, going on through it throughout it. So
1: yeah, and it's if, especially if you look at it from through the filter of Bernie Taupin's life and experiences, and then think about this other person interpreting that, yeah. it, it becomes more interesting all of a sudden when you're when you're listening closely. It's
0: really amazing because I mean it does seem like the songs fit Elton John, you know? Right. Well, that's because that's what we've grown up hearing yeah.
1: him say. So they do fit him they're his now uh that that closer harmony i think is is an amazing song too but it's, it's really nice it's a nice closer it is a long ride to get there though and andy's right saturday night's all right for fighting helps resuscitate you a bit there's a couple more you know interesting songs in between but you close out with harmony it's a nice it's a nice ride all right so that was the long but incredibly interesting and a must listen album Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road go check it out <laughs> All right so 1974 top 40 what did what did we learn guys i mean any
2: revelations well i mean i just reaffirmed my love of the 1970s and in particular the sound of the 70s this i think like mid 70s especially it has a nice warm fuzziness to it a lot of the records especially the guitar records I'm thinking of It's a great it's a great time of music I'm glad we were able to dig into it and some more and I probably could do another 10 shows from 1970 mm-hmm. top 40 pretty easily I think hmm
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, as I mentioned before, um, I mean, there's not a lot of, a lot of subtlety, um, <laughs> in, in seventies music for the most part. You know, maybe some of those, you know, like the Carol Kings and the Jackson Browns and James Taylor's, maybe there's some more subtlety there, but you know, a lot in the rock realm and R and B, you know, that's, all three of these records, you know, there's just not, <laughs> there's not a lot of subtlety. Dude,
2: you're wearing a big collar like that. There's no room for subtlety. That's true. Yeah.
0: I think this is all what's sort of leading towards, you know, punk rock, which kind of rebels against, you know, the, the progressive stuff and, you know, sort of this, this gaudy, you know, glam. But yeah, you know, it's a, it's a fun an exciting era in, in music.
1: What I thought about most was the to- how much mu- the music industry has changed and how much the top 40 used to mean. It meant that uh, everyone else liked it. It meant that your friends liked it. Now the top 40, I don't even know what that is. Like it doesn't dictate much. I don't think it's a – people might go download a song or whatever, but I don't think it – Informs people of what everyone else is listening to anymore. Mm. And I kind of miss that. This is, we've talked about that with MTV and radio. It's the same kind of thing where that used to mean something. Mm. And now I don't know that it really does not in terms of seeking out music. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's amazing that John Denver and Barry White and Frank Zappa were all on the charts right. at the same time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Know? That was pretty crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and
1: I think it was broader. I think now top 40 is, t- is typically just pop music. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a lot of rock or other things make it. So, yeah, things just shift, you know. We have a a lot of ways to listen to music now. We didn't then, but that community of it, I miss a little bit. Shift happens. (laughs) And that's one to grow on.
0: (laughs) I'm your density. I mean, your destiny.
2: Sorry to disappoint, boys and girls, but today's wheel spin has been postponed for one week. Yeah, next week we are going to be looking back on new releases from the first quarter of 2023. So any records that were released in the last few months, recap what's been good. Yeah,
1: I miss Destiny. (laughs) This feels more like a punishment.
2: Oh oh my gosh, we got to take Destiny (laughs) into our own hands, everybody. Quick reminder that we still have open voting for Phil Collins face value. If you think that's a, a worthy Ainhof nominee, go to the Album Nerds Discord, albumnerscom discord, or our website, albumnerds.com and cast your ballot today.
0: Do you like Phil Collins? Do you like any of the records we listened to this week, or any of them Ainhof worthy? What's your favorite album of 2023? What else are you listening to? Let us know. Join fellow Album Nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com Discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Album Nerds. Also, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so via PayPal at AlbumNerds.com slash support. Thank you for listening to the Album Nerds
1: podcast. We will catch you next time with some new release recommendations from Q1 in 2023.
2: I have to give the budget report, too. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm putting together a, a
2: PowerPoint. Oh, good. good. Thanks listening, everybody. See ya.
0: Goodbye, audience. Though I was. St- I don't know. I got <laughs> That was awful.
1: <laughs> that hurt me. I was hoping for some very white.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whoa.